Welcome to episode number 11 of Metascam. We are a podcast dissecting scams, one fraudster at a time. And now, from the excellence in podcast studios, it's time for another episode of Metascam. We break down scammers' approaches, tricks, misdirections, and other tools they use and present you with our direct analysis. This is Andy. And this is Peter. Coming up on episode number 11 of Metascam, we will talk about the infamous dent scam. We will talk a little bit about internet services scams, and we'll finalize with a historical scam called the Miracle Car Scam. The information presented in this show is based on personal opinion and should be taken as such. Consult your personal attorney before making any financial decision. And hey, if you want to get a hold of us here at the show, we've made that pretty easy to do. You can send us an email at hello at metascam.com, or you can find us on Twitter at Metascam Show. And also, wanted to put in here, if you guys wanted to share scams that you've seen or come across or been part of, you can do that with us at, at uh, by sending us an email there at hello at metascam.com, and we will be glad to share your stories here on our show. Now, Peter, most of us have vehicles. A lot of us drive. And while we have our vehicles from time to time, they're going to get involved in little fender benders or a rock from a road hits us or who knows what. We back up into something. Or even the parking lots. We might come back to our vehicle after we've parked during the day at work and find dense scratches. Yeah, dents and scratches. It just happens. Normal wear and tear. But it's it, awful, and especially when it's a brand new car. Oh, that's the worst. That's the worst. But you can take that. You can get it repaired. Sometimes your insurance will cover it. Sometimes your insurance won't cover it because it's too low of a deductible or whatever it might be. Now, a popular scam that's been going around for a long time is that you pull into a parking lot and you're approached by a quote-unquote mechanic. And the con works this way. Sees the mark, sees a dent in the mark's car. Comes up to him and says, hey, you know what? I'm a mechanic. And I fix dents for a living. It's what I do. I'm an auto body guy. And I see you've got a dent there. Now, I can tell you right now, that's about a $500 job if you take that to the shop. But I'm off work today. And you know what? It's your lucky day. I have my tools in the back of my truck. And while you're in shopping, I will fix that for you for $100. $100? Bucks. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah. So here's what's going to happen. Uh, you, you go on the shopping. Um, if you have cash, I'll take the cash now. I've got my tools in the truck. Here are my tools. You can see them right here. And when I'm done, what I'll do, I'll pop that out. I'll refinish it. Here's my color matching stuff that refinishes it. And then I'll put a, a Bondo kind of coverage on it. It's this little compound. That's just to protect the finish. That's got to stay on for about 24 hours or so uh, just to protect the new finish that I put on there because you don't want that coming off. Then it'll just look discolored. That makes sense. So now you go inside. You come back out. The work is done. That Bondo's there, or not the Bondo, but the the, the compound that he, that he was that the mechanic put on your cars there work is done. Looks good. So you wait 24 hours and you go out there to rub that compound off and you realize that that's just like a putty that kind of filled that dent in and that dent is still there. So he didn't do anything other than put that 
compound on him. Yeah, you might even watch him work. If you stayed like, I'm going to stay here and watch this guy work, you could stay and watch him work, and he would be, you'd be working on there and pounding on the car, pounding on the dent, making popping noises, who knows what. Put that compound on, and by the looks of what you are seeing, he is actually doing his job. He has fixed your dent. And 24 hours later, when you rub that compound off, that dent is there. So he doesn't pass out his business card afterwards and say, <laughs> hey, can you refer me to a friend? No, you know what? That is probably a really good uh, thing that we should add to our ways to avoid this, too, is to ask for referrals or ask for a business card that you can actually give to your friends because you have friends that uh, might have that same issue. Shouldn't be. The, I mean, if you ask the right questions, it shouldn't be that hard to see whether or not is this guy legit or not. You know, his name, his business card, uh, even, you know, what's the location of the shop? If, he's, if he does have a shop. You should be today with the internet or your your smartphone. You should be able to look that shop up right away and see yeah. that whether or not it exists. Now the reason this works is because we all love deals, and more than likely, uh, this you know we're having a lucky day. Hey, it's our lucky day. This guy just told us this is our lucky day, and it's cash, and you're not paying ta- you're not paying taxes. Oh, you're not paying taxes, and it's uh, a fraction of the cost. Of what what are we you know like I said, we like deals. We're paying a hundred bucks when it would be five hundred. We like that, and it's the guy's day off. He's gonna make a couple extra bucks. Okay, we like helping people out. So it's got all those marks are right there. And if you're the person who is, which most of us are, we like doing these things. We like deals. We like saving money. We like you know, everything. We're perfect for it. And there's really no recourse. By the time you've uh, removed that compound, you see the dent, you're not, you're not going to find this guy. No, he's not. Usually what I've heard is that uh, this, the, the cons usually work a parking lot and then move on to another parking lot, usually city by city. Right, so that even if uh, enough people report him and give a description, by that time uh, he's he's gone. But probably a lot of people don't even report it. That's kind of a, I mean, I know a lot of people don't report scams because they are embarrassed, right? But it's we talked about this before, and it's yeah. so important to uh, to report scams because that's it's going to be for your the benefit of your your fellow community basically because. If you don't report the scam, they will continue to go on and on and on without, without even uh, anybody knowing about it, especially if this is a new scam, which someone hasn't heard about before. This one you're talking about, though, sounds like it's been around for, for quite some time. It has, but it continues to be around probably for exactly why you said. And a friend of mine approached me and told me that he was approached by a guy in the parking lot, and he gave me the story, and he's like, no, nah, I'll have this taken care of because it's a company vehicle, so sorry, I can't authorize it. And then the more he thought about it, he said, that sounded like a scam. And then when I did a little bit of digging around, I realized this is happening all over the place. And it's probably not just a U.S. only. It's probably all over the place this is happening. But the biggest thing on there is it's that time when someone tells you, hey, wait 24 hours before you uncover the evidence. When you have that something like that built in. You know what I do in that situation? Ask for the card. Then, of course, there's a scammer. He's going to say, well, I ran out of cards, right? But then I'll say, pull out your driver's license and I have my iPhone, take a picture of that, and I'll take a picture of him. If he has an issue with that, it means he's probably not legit. But if, if it's a legitimate person and you explain why, you know, well, it's just a precaution you have, really shouldn't be a problem. I would imagine if I was that guy, I would, my... Uh my reply to you would be, look, I would get in trouble from my boss if I was doing that. And I really, that's why we need to keep this on the download because I, I could lose my job. I'll give you 120. Oh, man. You know, now, now <laughs> I'm thinking that might, might be worth it. Yeah, reverse scam here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never scam a scammer. Is that the deal? Is that the other <laughs> lesson here? 
But you want to, I mean, you ultimately want to, how can I, you guarantee me that this is going to work? I mean, the price sounds great. You got the experience, but what, you know, if there's a problem, how am I going to get back to you? Right. And that's the other thing is if you, if you have the work done legitimately at a body shop, if there's an issue with it, that body shop is going to cover it. And that's why they only look at dents though. It's not like a major wreck. If it's just a little dent, like I can pop that out in a, in a couple seconds type thing. So I, I had that happen one time on a, uh, a car that I had. It was a, it was a uh, Honda CRV and I don't know what happened, but somebody had dented my passenger door. It looked like they just leaned against it. It was, it was like the perfect butt imprint on my door. <laughs> and I was like, that is just the weirdest thing. And I was like, well, I'm, I'll take it to the body shop when I get a chance. And a guy from my office went to his car and pulled out a little dent popper router and went over to my car oh, yeah. and like in two seconds popped the dent out. I was like, well, wow. Okay. And I bought him lunch that day, but I didn't even know what he was doing. He just saw it. I was, I happened to see him from the office approaching my car and I went down and, you know, to tell him the story. He's like, pop, popped it out. Yeah. It depends on the dent, especially if it's not, if the paint hasn't been cracked. Then yeah. You, it was, this was perfect. Look, like I said, it looked like someone just leaned against the car and it went boop and went in. Now, a uh, worst variation of this scam, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of them haven't done this, is not just going up to cars that already have an dent, you know, go ahead and, and put an dent the in dent. a vehicle. Yeah. Right. And then wait for the mark to come back out and go, hey, look, we saw that guy. He dented your car. Uh, he drove off. I couldn't get his driver's license or his license plate number or anything. Uh, but by the way, I'm a mechanic. And then you go into the scam. That's interesting. And now... Compounding it, if you are a, a person who, you know, now it's a rental, a rental car or a boss's car or your wife's car, even worse, and you want to get that taken <laughs> like, care of immediately. Yeah. Well, there's one thing. Well, or, your, or your parents' we car. We don't want to be super oh, paranoid, yeah. but remember we talked about skimming the other day, and if, you, if you're filling up your, your tank with gas, maybe you might want to pull up to one of the dispensers that's closer to the door. Because right. I'm more, less likely that a skimmer is going to put that uh, on a on a dispenser that's close to the door, but be maybe further, further away. That's out of, out of the sight of the individuals who are manning the the gas station. The same thing here would be maybe when you're parking, try to park in an area that's going to be covered by a CCTV camera. So many of the major shopping areas now. I mean, I don't care whether it's a big box store like Walmart, Best Buy. Uh, that they'll have in their parking lots coverage of CCTV cameras for their own liability concerns. But if you had an issue and you, and you got the police involved, they could easily go back and review uh, those videos on those cameras if something does happen to you or your vehicle when you're parked in that area. Uh, the other thing you bring up in the parking spot is if you park closer to an entrance, like you said, that has a CCTVs, you are less likely to be approached by people there as well. If you park off in the corners, you know, because of their shade or something, you might be approached over there. Absolutely. So just things to keep in mind. Remember, if someone approaches you with a good deal, that probably isn't. And as we always say here, verify, then trust. I'm going to jump right on in here to these uh, internet scams. And these are things that we'll be uh, referring to a lot of times. They're internet services scams. And there are so many of them. So we'll be coming back to make people aware of these that are going on. Because the internet's a confusing place. It's complicated. And if you're doing business on the internet in today's day and age, there are things you know you need. You don't know why you need them, but you know you need them. You need your page to appear 
number one when people search for it. Whatever terms are that you decide on, you need to be number one. Because of that and that need that exists for people to re- show up in the search engine results and show up as much as possible in the search engine results, because of that need and people's not understanding exactly how all that works, it is a prime opportunity for a number of scams to take place. Well, your topic of uh, internet in general, though, just magnifies so much the amount of scams that take place on a daily basis because it's not like the traditional way where basically someone would have to approach you, like that dent in the parking lot, right? You, someone approaches you and tries to convince you, trust me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna offer you this this service, whatever. Uh, okay. Here, they don't even have to show their face. You're just dealing with a website, let's say, that can be look very legitimate. They put a little bit of time and, and for really, really inexpensively, they can make a website look really nice. And they can add different uh, awards that they've gotten over time. And so it looks like a very, it could look like a very reputable mm-hmm. uh, service provider. But you've, you haven't met anybody. All you see is that... that uh, that uh, page on your monitor and you're making a decision about whether or not to trust them. Because it looks good. Yeah. So the two I'm going to cover today are domain name renewal services and paid Google services. So a little bit of back uh, story here, a domain name like metascam.com that requires registration. Somebody has to pay for that and you pay for it on a yearly basis or a timed basis. You can get it for one year, two years, five years, 15 years, whatever you decide to pay for it. At the end of your registration period, you have to pay again. It renews. Now, you can set your uh, domain names to auto-renew, or you can say, well, I'm going to try this for a year see what happens. And if it doesn't pan out, then I'll cancel them and I won't get charged again. In the registration process, you also have the ability to pay a little bit more money to make your domain name private. In other words, your contact information is not available with the what's called the Whois record. Some people choose to do this. Some people choose not to do this. The who is, it's a command that you can type in. You can say who is metascam.com. If my information is public, my information is right there. What, my, would, that, what would it identify? Your name? It would have my name, my phone number, my address, uh, my email, uh, my technical contacts, my administrative contacts. It has a ton of information. And anybody who has access to a terminal can just type that in and yeah. and, and call that up. If, Not even a terminal. You can, uh, you can do, you can get the who is services on the web today too. It's uh, widely open and available. So I can see why most people, I mean, whether or not they do it, but benefit would probably be to ha- make it private. Make it private. Then it comes back to a couple of different companies, usually domains by proxy is what usually comes back on that. And there are still ways to get that information, but it's a little harder. Now, here's the other thing that happens with domain name registration. When you register it, every single domain name that is registered today will be available in a list. Here are the domain names that were registered today across the entire planet. Additionally, here are the domain names that are going to be expiring soon across the entire planet. Now, if I know the domain names that are going to be expiring soon, and I'm able to query those domain names and get their phone numbers, names, and addresses because they did not use the private uh, registration services, I now have a rich target environment. And there are companies that prey upon that particular audience. That is so easy. Very easy. Now what you'll get is a very nice-looking letter in the mail. It's an invoice, what appears to be an invoice, for your domain name. 
hey, it's about time to, to uh, renew your domain your domain name. Metascam.com is about to expire. And you look at it and go, oh, yeah, it's been about a year. I should I should be renewing that. And it says, hey, we've made it very simple. You can just call this number or go to this website and fill in this form, do all this, do all that. And, you know, you've got this invoice and you're like, well, I better do it. And you do this. And by the way, this is like cheaper than your first year because you think your first year you paid maybe, you know, $12, $14. This is only like two bucks. You're like, oh, this is great. So you do this. You follow the instructions on this invoice. You get that invoice paid. What's really happened is that invoice is not an invoice at all. It's just instructions that look like an invoice. It's an advertisement. If you read the fine print, it'll tell you it's not an invoice and it's a solicitation of business. Furthermore, what's happening is you're actually transferring the registration of your domain from wherever you registered it with to this company. And yeah, it's $2 to begin with for maybe the first 30 days. And now they're going to hit you with another 20 bucks on top of that. And now you're going to hit $20 every year, whatever it is. And you now you realize, you know what? This is not a good deal. This is not who I want my domain name registered with. Now, it's not going to affect your website per se, because that's a different entity from your uh, domain name registration. But it can affect email and it can affect a lot of different things. It can affect how stuff is routed to your website. It can affect the speed of how your, your website resolves. It can affect your SSL security. It, it can affect a lot. What happens if you want to dispute it? They can even be oh, shut down pretty much. They could, yes. They can actually say, okay, you, you are now in dispute, so we are not going to tell the world where your website lives. DNS, in essence, is the yellow pages of the internet. So when we type in metascam.com on our computer, our computer doesn't know how to get to Metascam. It's got to ask something how to get there, and that's what DNS is. It goes to the yellow pages of the internet and says, hey, uh, how do I get to Metascam? And it tells them how to get to Metascam. Now, anybody in the world can be the registrar who provides that information to the DNS servers, and those registrars can control that. So now when they say, hey, how do I get to metascam.com? If I'm in a, in a dispute about that, they could say, oh, you go over here to site B that says this site is currently unavailable. And these companies will hold your domain name hostage with this situation. I suppose ultimately, I mean, it racks up to be a significant amount of money for them, the, the scamming entity, but for the individual itself, it's more of an inconvenience and an annoyance. And probably a lot of people just end up saying, well, I'm going to pay this and because it's, it's going to be more of a hassle than anything else trying to, trying to get out of it. Right. It is. Now there are some safeguards in place. You have to, it's not as easy as clicking a button and now your domain name is, is transferred. There's a series of agreements you have to do. However, if you're not informed, then you will go through that series of agreeing and go, well, I'm supposed to be doing this. And they'll tell you, by the way, you're going to get this uh, email from whoever your registrar is that is releasing the domain name to us. And that's fine. That's, that's normal. And you go, oh, okay, well, that's normal. And, and now you are susceptible to believing what you're in because you're already invested into it uh, emotionally and time-wise. And so now you just continue down that path. Now, what you should do is if you get a letter like this and you're not sure what's going on, Talk to somebody who is more informed about internet stuff than you are. Contact your, whoever does your IT, contact them. Contact your buddy who you know is in IT and ask them and look for fine print on everything. If something is coming to you that like the first, 
first red flag in this, if it coming, something's coming to you pre-sorted first class mail, that's your first red flag. Then you want to look at it. You want to find the fine print. I just got one of these the other day that looked like uh, an invoice for, um, I can't remember what it was for, but I was looking at it and I go, well, I guess this is an invoice. And as I continued to look at it, I realized that it was a solicitation for business. So we didn't pay it, threw it, took, you know, trashed it, shredded it and threw it away. So those have, they happen all the time. So look for the fine print. If it's sort of pre uh, sort of first class mail and you find the fine print on the bottom, it'll say, hey, this is not an invoice. This is not an attempt to collect money. This is a solicitation. You know, it's advertisements. So you're saying that scammers even have at times good attorneys working for them. Oh, yeah. They have to. The big ones do. So this is uh, basically there's no legal recourse really against them. If someone were to try, uh, whoever they scam, they signed up for the service and... The disclaimer was there and it, it, it's more deceptive business practices, but I still kind of think those are scammy. So I do file this one under scans, but it's very deceptive. Oh yeah. Now the other one I want to cover today is paid Google services. And this is uh, rampant right now. I'm pretty sure everybody who's listening to the show has gotten one of these phone calls before where you're getting a phone call from your local Google expert or your Google local expert. I should say that's, that's the ones going around right now. And they tell you, hey, for $50, we can get your business listed on Google Local. That is cheap. Yeah, you, right? You think about bucks. the benefits that you might have from only 50 bucks. Yeah. Right. And you, your business in today's day and age, you want to be on Google, uh, Google Local. That's the uh, Google My Business. You really, really want your business to be there. That is highly important in today's uh, uh, strategies. Meaning, for example, if you have a prospective customer that looking for a service and they're in Orlando or they're wherever they are. When they type in a search, it's going to pull up the companies that are near them that have listed first more before any other companies, right? Correct. Not only that, they'll have the business phone number, address, uh, pictures of the inside, the outside. It has a lot of really good information about that legitimate business. And so you think to yourself, 50 bucks, that is a no-brainer. Yes. Uh, how, do, how do I sign up? What do I do? Uh, what's the next steps? They'll tell you here in about a week or so, you're going to get a postcard from Google. When you get that, open it up. It's going to have five-digit number pin in it. I need that you to then send me that pin, and we'll, we'll confirm. And this is legitimate. This is what Google does. They, For Google Local, you have to uh, verify that you are where you say you are on the planet. So they send you a postcard to your address, and you open the postcard up, and it's got a digits in there, and then you go to Google and go, hey, I got my postcard, and go, what are the five digits? You type them in, and go, those are the five digits. That is legitimately what happens. However, getting that postcard sent to you is you filling out one form. It's completely free. You fill out the form with your address and you go, yep, this is my address. And they go, okay, we'll send you the postcard. That's it. It's a 30 second deal. And you just paid somebody 50 bucks to do that because you didn't know where to go. Now the fine line here is, yeah, but I didn't have to go do that, and they know where to go do that, so I'm paying them for their time and, and their knowledge. Baloney. It's a scam. Because once you have done that, now they have you. That's the, the easy way in. Now they're going to come back and tell you, by the way, we also offer these services, which are also additionally completely free from Google, and they're going to do these services for you. And it's just a matter of minutes that they're taking. And now they're going to charge you upwards of five, six, maybe even $1,000 a month for their quote unquote services. 
There's only one paid Google service. That's Google AdWords. That's where you pay to advertise. You pay for keywords to put your ads on, to pop up on different pages, to drive traffic to your website. That's it. It's probably more than 50 bucks. Oh, you'll spend a lot more than 50 bucks. Yeah. Now, agreed also, if you actually are hosting uh, your own stuff with, uh, with Google, there's some other paid services for that. But as far as the stuff that people are going to call you for, no. So the ways to avoid this, educate yourself, look at Google. Google actually will help you get set up. They will walk you through it. They provide free online training courses for this. They will step you. They'll, you can actually call a guy up on the phone, uh, call Google, and you won't get, well, they will. You'll get somebody from Google. And they will walk you step by step exactly what to do, where to do, how to do it. Completely free. You call Google and say, hey, you know, I'm trying to get myself uh, listed on Google uh, Local or Google My Business. And they'll say, yep, here, go here. Give me your email address. I'm going to send you an email. Click on this. Do this. All right, fill this out. Do that. Hit next. All right, you'll get a postcard in a couple of days. Thank you. Done. I bet you could even go to YouTube and do a you search. Probably YouTube. could, yeah. Yeah, I go to YouTube for everything. It even explains how to change a light bulb sometimes. Anything you need to figure out, usually that uh, someone's put it up there and, and walk you through the process. Oh, yeah. I had that issue uh, last week where we had a problem with our dishwasher, and we took the model number from our dishwasher, plugged into the YouTube, uh, and plugged in what the issue was, and there was a, a guy who had a video exactly what to do. And my only complaint about that guy's video, and then I thought about it later, I'm like, it's not a really legitimate complaint. Is I wish he had a had like a manicure. He had really nasty fingernails. <laughs> but then the guy's a plumber, so I was like, well, I, mean, I don't think I'd want a plumber with a manic with a manicure. So okay, yeah, that's fine. Well, I don't think YouTube really screens <laughs> the uh, competency of what the individuals are, are putting up there, and you got to be careful not to get a maniac. This is true. Uh, this is very true, and a lot of other a lot of which we'll talk about later on on scams that are things that are actually wrong. That's a great thing mm -hmm. to look at. So, yeah, on this one with uh, with the Internet services, like I said, we'll come back and talk about much more of these. But the biggest thing is to talk to somebody that, you know, because we all know somebody who is smarter in I.T. than we are. So find that person, run it by them first. Uh, I can tell you this. I get these questions a lot uh, being in the I.T. field. And there's part of you that uh, that feels good that you're able to help somebody out when they come to you with that. And there's a little part of you that feels yeah, I'll say you feel a little superior from time to time. Like, how did you not know this was a scam? And so, <laughs> so you're doing your friend a favor. You're inflating their ego. So, yes, bring this to them by all means. So do that. And remember, again, verify it first before you ever trust it. Peter, I owe you a huge thank you, my friend. What's that for? You sent me an incredibly detailed list of... Almost every, I think every, not even almost, every scam reporting resource available uh, online today. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, a lot of people aren't aware of where to report scams. And, you know, maybe they think, well, I'm just going to write up a complaint and put it posted online or a review for a product or service. But there's different entities that you can and really should go ahead to report the scam, both at a federal level. There's different federal agencies and, of course, at the state level or local level. Um, typically, if you are subject to a scam or you're really suspicious that there is a scam potentially being offered or going on, uh, one of the first places to start would be contacting your local police at a very minimum because they might uh, launch an investigation and, uh, and, and they're going to have more interest, actually, in following up and finding maybe other people that have been 
approached by by potential scammer. So I'll start with the local level, but then think about re- reporting it to state authorities. And actually on this, this resource guide, there's a couple of different websites you can go to to look at you know, what your particular state has because each state's uh, regulatory authorities on this are a little bit different. So these particular sites will give you a, a drop-down menu of each of the states and you can look at for your state what might be the, the best office to contact. That's, that's all on there. And uh, the states will also take action to in varying degrees. Then there's a federal number of different federal agencies from the FBI to the uh, uh, federal uh, securities, uh, I'm sorry, the SEC and the Federal Trade Commission and you know, uh, Social Security Administration, the IRS, depending on what the, the issue is, the fraud issue, uh, those are agencies to go to to educate yourself, basically, to see if the type of issue that you are suspicious of has been reported in the past. And even though they might not go into actually investigating this on your behalf, it's at a very minimum, they will compile this information uh, for for that type of scam. And and the database is is of of interest for the general public uh, as a tool. So, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, Andy, the importance of reporting. I mean, if you've been scammed and you're embarrassed and you think, well, what good is it going to do reporting? I kind of get, I'm not going to get my 50 or hundred or a thousand or whatever dollars back. What, what good is it going to do to report it at this point? But we must, we can't think that way. We got to think about the more we bring the scammers to the public light, right? We report them. There will, some of them, there will be subject to investigations and some of them will be shut down and at a very minimum, the consumer will have a chance if they look into it, they see that a scam has been reported in the past, you will save them from that. Just like if you were to look into, hey, I got a really suspicious thing here and you start, you just do like a general Google search. I think we talked about that before. Put the scenario there and, and type in uh, also scam and see if that type of issue has come up in the past. I mean, if no one had t- taken the initiative to report it, you probably would fall prey to it, right? But if you, you're able to do the search and you see, whoa, and that's happened to me a number of times where I, you know, I thought this, it sounds too good to be true, but it just seems like, wow, you know, I just had a kind of a sense of, I, I, I'm not quite comfortable with this. It seems legit, but I'm not quite comfortable. Let me do a search on this and bang, pops up. And it's almost like the exact same wording, let's say if it was an email or a letter or a phone call, the exact same scenario. And and then I assign as a whole bunch of people that reported as a scam. And then that way, I'm easy. it's easy for me to say, shut that down. I'm not even going to go down that path. Uh, thank you very much, right? So yeah, this resource, I'm glad to make it available. And uh, Andy, I think you put it up on the website, right? Yeah, it is over on, on Metascam.com. It's uh, Metascam.com forward slash resource dash guide. But if that's too much to remember, uh, which it might be for some, just hover to Metascam. And if you look at the top, there is a link that says resource guide. Uh, and all the information is there. And I mean all the information. Uh, if you just kind of go down that list, you can see what kind of scam you that you think you might be involved in or that uh, your friends might be involved in, whatever the case might be. You can match it up with uh, the entity that you should be reporting it to. 
and is is quite extensive. So it's a little bit of a read, but it is worth it. There's tons of stuff there. And if you are confused about that and you're not quite sure, like you think something's going on, you've got that sneaky suspicion, you can always give strategic risk management a call. Let them know what's going on. They can direct you to exactly what entity to look into, or they can actually look into it for you if it's something here locally or abroad that's going on that's uh, something that is um, larger scale. Uh, they can definitely get involved with that and, and help you make the right decision. That number for strategic risk management always, of course, is 407-475-0154. Peter's there. He'll be able to help you directly with that uh, and any other issues you might have. But that resource guide is on the site. It's free. It's available. It's there now. And uh, I mean, that was that was really fun putting that together. Well, for me, I know you'd spend a lot of time actually putting I just had to format it and put it up on the website. That wasn't a big deal. Uh, but to have it on there is, is fantastic. And I think everybody should take advantage of that. At least bookmark that uh, and share that with your friends and let them know that that is available to them uh, because I don't think it exists anywhere else in that form. It's only as good as people use it. So if it's utilized, hopefully uh, it'll pay some dividends. I think it will. I think it's going to be a great resource. And I thank you again for that, sir. You're so welcome. All right, taking a little page out of our scam history books, this one does not go back too far. This one goes back to about 1997 to about 2002, so not too long ago history. Uh, and it, uh, it uncovers some interesting things and some interesting parallels that you and I talked about uh, before the show. So if you want to cover that for us here, Peter, and we'll talk about those, those interesting parallels once we're done with this one. Sure thing, Andy. This scam took place between roughly two, um, 1997 and 2002, and it involved some 4,000 people who paid an advance fee in order to receive new cars at a fraction of their value. Remember we talk about scams, being able to make extraordinary return on your investment or being able to buy something at a ridiculous discount or fraction of the value. So that's why it was attractive. The cars supposedly came from a, this is the funny thing, came from an estate of a wealthy Christian man according to his will. The scheme took in, believe this or not, $21 million. But neither the deceased his alleged will in a state of any kind or the cars ever existed. All right. So we're talking about $21 million that, that poor people, I mean, poor after the fact, right? Yeah. Poor souls that uh, actually uh, were taken in and, 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 and gave this money with a, with a, I mean, promise that they were going to get, get these uh, new cars. So it was referred to as the miracle car scam. And it ultimately began when a story circulated by a, by a man named Robert Gomez who claimed he was the adopted son of one John Bowers, a wealthy executive of a food company. About three years later, just before, the, or before Christmas, Bowers claimed in his church that he is now the heir of Bowers Estate, which is valued at $411 million. He, he also said that Bowers had instructed in his will that a fleet of 16 luxury cars would be given to fellow believers as a gift. The beneficiary needed to pay an amount of roughly $1,000 to $1,100 as a convenience, uh, sorry, conveyance fee for each vehicle. Now, this news spread through word of mouth and many church members showed interest. 
in the deal. Once again, think about it. This is coming through a religious organization. Yeah. People will generally uh, trust without even thinking twice, right? Uh, so people started depositing the conveyance fee in, in, in the course of uh, four years from 97 until 2002. Uh, 4,000 people actually deposited this fee. The staggering number of car sales aroused suspicion and investigation was then launched. Investigators found that a man called John Bowers, as described, never existed. And neither did his estate or the cars. It was also revealed that in 2002, Gomez, along with his accomplice, had actually collected the $21.1 million from these people, from these 4,000 individuals. In 2003, he was sentenced to 21 years and 10 months in federal prison. So he'll probably be getting out and doing something similar again after he learns more tricks from fellow scammers who are sitting in cells nearby. Yeah, exactly. He's going to get a proper education. Um, so a lot of things about this game interest me. Number one, you've already hit it, hit on it, is that it happened within a uh, church where you tend to trust the person next to you. There's a little bit of a, of, of a faith-based scams that, that do happen, unfortunately. And your guards are down. You're not there. You you know, you're, you're not in that mindset when you're in at a church to be thinking somebody next to me is going to be trying to pull a scam on me. And you want to give somebody the benefit of doubt. If something sounds, you know, well, he's probably doing this for the right thing. Why would he, you know, there's all this stuff that you just tend to drop your guard and, and get involved in. And to have this, Great claim that, hey, I'm worth all this money and this guy's got this will and there's all these cars available, these super luxury cars. And you can just, you know, this is what this guy wanted. This is his legacy. He wants people to have these luxury cars. And now it's his great deal. I can get a luxury car for a thousand bucks to get this thing transferred over to me. I'm in. And I'm sure there's some details missing out of this write-up, but I'm sure that there, there's additional fees that came across. Some, hey, by the way, we ran into a little bit of a snag. We need a little bit more money. He probably dragged some stuff out there for a while before being discovered. Right, because this is running from 97 to 2002 approximately. So uh, there were, there, I'm sure there were delays and, and, and they were strung out and they paid additional, additional fees. Yeah, and I'm sure he went from church to church. I don't think he stayed one church for that amount of time because that's an awful. I mean, the numbers don't add up. $4,021 million. And just think he probably took pictures of nice luxury cars and oh, said, this yeah. is the car that's coming your way. And, and, uh, Picture is worth a thousand words, and you believe it. You know? Yeah, that's my car. Yeah, that's my that's my rolls, man. I'll be I'll be looking good in my rolls, driving up in this thing, rocking up to my you know to work in my Bentley or something. You know, some kind of nice luxury car. Just wonder what he did with that uh, twenty one point one million dollars. Yeah, money. It is, and I don't know if they got restitution on this one or not. I'm sure they did, or well, well, you hope they did. Well, if it. Scammers are pretty intelligent, and I think a lot of them also are going to be smart in where they hide the money. At least you think they would. Yeah, maybe he bought luxury cars and some people did get them. That'd be interesting. Well, that's the thing. Probably probably did because that's where there's proof. I mean, that's like it's showing. Like, that's like with a Ponzi scheme, right? Yep. The first people that, that uh, want out, they get in this money with great returns, and so other people say, well, I'm going to buy into this because uh, my neighbor got this car, you know, he came through. Paid a thousand bucks. Legit. Driving a Ferrari, he paid a thousand dollars for. And meanwhile, you know, four thousand people also paid a thousand dollars into that thing. That's where that Ferrari came from. Yeah, it's just a it's a moderate version of a Ponzi scheme. Just instead of getting a, a cash payout, you're getting a vehicle. 
Yeah, very interesting. We're still waiting for some of our listeners to come in with uh, uh, with the scam. With the scam contest is ongoing, right? It is ongoing. We have one. I'm waiting for some more because I can't put one because you got to go get somebody. So we've had one submitted. So I'm waiting for one, maybe two more, and then we will have another scam bounty. Once again, though, Randy, I think you need to preface that we don't want the listeners to think it up and try it out. It's no, just think yeah. one up and, and submit it because uh, we don't, we don't want to promote uh, anyone trying, out, trying to see how well the scams actually work. No, we want hypotheticals only. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, we could all get in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we, no, no real scams. I mean, if you've been scammed or you know of a real scam, feel free to submit those. Uh, but we will be taking the one that is the most plausible out of the two to three that are submitted. And that person receives a $20 Amazon gift card uh, for their time and creativity. But remember, don't just submit those. If you are, you know, if there's a scam going on or you see a scam or you know of a scam or you've heard of a scam, submit those to us as well. And we will uh, have those on the show from time to time. Uh, we do, those are fun to do. It's always good uh, when we see what's currently going on out there. I would encourage some of our listeners also to send us questions. You know, maybe there's a question we can get back to you on or even raise, you know, maybe it brings up an issue that would be interest to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, both Peter and I have a, a diverse background. Uh, Peter with his fraud analysis, myself in the IT field. So if there's any kind of questions you've got there, fire them over to us. That's hello at metascam.com. We'll read those on the air and take care of everything there. Well, Peter, it's going to bring us about to the end of our show here. Uh, I'm going to go to the parking episode. lot now. I hope I got no dent in my car. All right. <laughs> no, hopefully not. I'm, I'm afraid to because I'm parked behind the building today. And a little bit of housekeeping. This is our last show in these four walls. Uh, we'll be moving studios here uh, this weekend to a cool new studio. And uh, you guys won't notice a difference, but we will. We'll be sitting across from each other in a little more fancier duds than here. So that's going to be nice. Yes, we do really exist. It's not like uh, we're closing up shop and running no. away. No, we're just going uh, two blocks away from here. So that's kind of nice. And remember, folks, you are not alone out there. Do your best to educate yourself against possible scams. Talk to your friends and neighbors about them. And together, we can make a difference. If there's anything that Peter and I can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Our email is hello at metascam.com, and we are here to help. Until next time, this has been Andy. And Peter for metascam.com. Visit www.metascam.com for show information, archives, and more. Want to get in touch? Follow us on Twitter at MetascamShow or email us at hello at metascam.com.